Bonsoir. How are you, dear friends? We are building the most inspiring and phenomenal communities of wine lovers. As we all know, wine is the catalyst of the greatest discussion. We'll be talking wine, but of course food, and everything that touches all our nation and senses. Bonsoir, dear friends. From Wapo Hill tonight, Napa Valley, this is a happy hour. We're going to travel very far on the other side of the world in the beautiful town of Hong Kong. We're going to meet one of the most leading Korean Chinese lady of wine, lady of food, who's done virtually everything in that space. She's one of the most charming, beautiful, an incredible mother of three very successful ladies. She's been living her life over the last 25 years with wine and food as a wine writer. She's a great author of many books. We'll talk about two tonight. She is a wine critique. She's a wine journalist. She is, of course, a TV personality. You'll understand why. She's extremely articulate. And she's one of the most knowledgeable lady in the world of wine. She was one of the first lady ever in Asia to be granted the famous title Master of Wine that she fully deserves. She's the co-chair of Decanter as well in Asia and is consulting for a great airline named Singapore Airline. And she does so much that the list is much longer, but I have to summarize it for all of you to meet a Master of Wine friend Jenny Choli! Jenny, bonsoir! Bonsoir, Jean-Charles. Et bonjour pour toi, parce que c'est le Thank matin. you for that amazing introduction. <laughs> well, there's so much more to say, because as people will obviously discover you, they don't already know you, there's so much more. But I had to make it to one minute. I'm opening, I'm opening, I'm opening! Well, okay. Well, here I go. We're watching you now. Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> we know you've opened thousands of those. You like to savor, typically. I know that. I know, but that would really mean taking a lot of risks on television. <laughs> Ooh. That very soft noise, dear friends. Are we drinking are, the same thing? You've done it so well. We have the same wine, JCB number eight. And dear friends, you know why? Because Jenny is a lover of Burgundy as well. And we'll talk about her book shortly. But first, we're gonna have a toast. Jenny has the kindness to be in her beautiful Hong Kong apartment. And during this wonderful time, Jenny, it's so good to see you and to celebrate friendship together today, and to sharing your life story, which is amazing. Santé! Oh, thank you for the opportunity and for a wonderful introduction. Thank you. So, Jenny, as we obviously enjoy the bubbles together, and thank you for looking at me right in the eyes. It's a good sign for the future. We want to ask you the first question. You were awarded one of the first Master of Wine obviously, of all Asia. 
it's a very big deal. Why the master of wine and, and how did you think of it and, and succeeded so fast? <laughs> oh, I don't know if I succeeded that fast. It was a pretty long journey. Um, I, from childhood, I was really into food. I was into flavors. Uh, I, I really developed a, a passion for wine when I was in university. I spent a year at Oxford and uh, traveled around Europe and became fascinated. And actually, I would say at that time, I was really intimidated more than anything because the world of wine had this amazing language. It had uh, this world of flavors and history and culture that was just all rolled up into a glass of wine and, and a bottle that gave you detail. Um, so I was fascinated for, for a long time, but I thought it wasn't a practical profession in the sense that if I wanted to live in Asia, there weren't that many opportunities for jobs except to be a sommelier, uh, potentially, or um, to be in the wine trade you know, selling and, and trading wine. And those were two areas I, I really wasn't too interested in. Uh, so the Master of Wine came about when I started writing about wine as a journalist. Uh, and I wrote about food as well. I wrote about cigars. I wrote about uh, lots of lifestyle stories uh, for the Far Eastern Economic Review for many, many years. Uh, when I started freelancing for Wine Spectator and then uh, became the Asian editor for Decanter, um, I realized that, it, that I could still pursue my passion in wine and not have to be a sommelier or, um, or you know, in the trade. So there, there was, a, 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 I guess, a road that sort of, you know, unfolded itself in front of me. Uh, and it seemed as though the master of wine was was really the, the I would say the gateway or the door that would give me more opportunities. But it's amazing, Jenny, because you've gone the very high road in your studies. You've studied in the best university in the world, and now you love wine, you love food, and you just don't go for your WSET or any of those. You go for the top of the top. So. What makes you who you are today and drives you to always reach for the best of the best? You know, um, I did go to the WSET first. So I did do my diploma and then I did my Master of Wine. So it was a kind of logical step. But for me, the drive to, to really be, um, I suppose, the best that I could be it was really because of my parents. Um, they arrived as immigrants to New York and I saw them working really hard um, and they had a hard life. It was tough. Um, and I, you know, during my young teenage years, younger teenage years, um, I was out in uh, Long Island and I think I was one of only two Asian Asians in the whole middle school that I went to there. Um, and, uh, and I, I, you know, the idea that you had to prove yourself that you had to work harder than everyone else, I think it's been ingrained. Uh, so, you know, trying to do the best you can was, uh, just, a just something I saw, I saw in my parents, I saw in their friends, you know, the whole first generation immigrant in, 
in the United States story, um, I, I think mentally it stays with you and it never really leaves you. Well, that's very impressive because you succeeded to, of course, instill that as well into your beautiful daughter's mind because they all in fabulous American universities and being very successful themselves. So how do you actually do that as a mother who does so much professionally and who succeed into balancing a personal life with your children? You can ask almost all the modern women now, you know, your, your wife, Gina included, how you balance it's it's a continual seesaw. You never feel like you get it right. You feel like, oh no, I'm not spending enough time with my family, or oh no, I'm neglecting my work. So it's I don't think you you ever feel comfortable. But at the same time, um, there are two things that that uh, I I try to think about when I make a decision. One is, you know, given how much time I do devote to to wine and to, you know, things I love, would I encourage my daughter in my position to do the same? You know, what kind of advice would I give my daughter if she were in my position? And so if I can making the choice that I would give to my daughter, then I, I feel like that that probably is the wisest decision I can make at the moment. Um, and the other thing I, I think I think about is that, you know, what better way to um, to to teach your children anything than by just do by example? That's right. By by leading by example, showing them how I want them to live their lives. Yeah, that's very impressive. And Jenny, if you don't mind, let's go on the topic that we just touched on, which is so current today. I'm always so impressed. And as you know, we have a lot of friends in common and a lot of fabulous Asian friends. You talked about your parents, first immigrant working hard. When you look at the United States as an example, and you look at France, the two countries I luckily happen to know most, probably living in both, Asian are very successful. They have a sense of discipline, a sense of duty, a sense of wanting to learn, a sense of wanting to surpass themselves and to intellectually and monetarily arrive. How do you explain this at large? Well, I'm, I'm sure it has a lot to do with uh, family values and at the same time, family pressure. I'm not gonna say it's easy being um, you know, a child of uh, a very, I guess, uh, driven parents who that they, they themselves wanted to succeed, but equally or even more, they want their next generation and, the, and their children to succeed. So uh, when, you, when, you, when you feel that, you know, and I, I've, seen, I, I've seen people who've gone the other way, reacted the opposite way um, by not, um, by rebelling by not listening, by, um, you know, running away or, or not being able to withstand the pressure. But if you can take the pressure and the stress of um, parents who constantly tell you, you're not good enough, you've got to do harder. Oh, you, you got 
uh, four A's, but what happened? Why did you get that B? You know, being that harsh, um, it depends on the individual. So I don't, I'm not sure it's the best parenting style or the best values, but I, I do think that a lot of it has to do with uh, the values you grew up with and, you know, and the pressure you feel. Mm-hmm. That's very impressive. And I've, I've chose the wine we're having, the bubbles, because they really represent you, I think. Besides the style oh. that you should describe to us in three words, there's three words written on the back label of number eight. And I wanted to choose number eight, which is that beautiful metal label, gold, mm. because it's the yin and yang, which I think mm. you exemplify so well. On the back, uh, the three words uh, <laughs> is balance. Yeah. Because I've always seen you, whatever you did, it could be a speech in front of a thousand people or an intimate dinner, you're very balanced. You're very sophisticated. And as well, there's one last word. You could yes. be as well rebellious. You think so, okay. That's the word I wanted to ask you about. So why is a sparkling rebellious in your mind? Rebellious because we yeah. push the boundaries in Burgundy on this one to really balance 50% oh. Chardonnay, mainly from the Côte de Beau, and 50% Pinot Noir, predominantly from the Côte de Nuit. It's rebellious because the wine you have mm-hmm. in your glass is mainly Premier Cru, of course, mm-hmm. and very well-known village, but we're not allowed to say it on the label because the law is only Cremant de Bourgogne, so it's rebellious in a way that we've done the non-obvious. We mm. pushed it to make it so good, we believe. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, <laughs> we're rebellious because nobody was there blending Premier Cru and making sparkling wine in Burgundy. Okay, I'll, I'll share with you um, what was rebellious that, that, that I did, which may not be that obvious. So, um, when I decided uh, to do my master of wine, you know, I was, I had, I already had graduated. Uh, I had a master's degree from Harvard. I was studying international relations and public policy. So wine was not my field at all. And um, uh, when I told my parents, and at that time I was already in Hong Kong, I was already married, but you know, I, I still cared a lot about what my parents thought. So when I told them I was doing a master of wine, they thought I was crazy. They thought another master's First, degree. You already have a master's degree that you don't use. Right, yeah. Well, you have a master's degree you, you don't use. You want another one? Or what are you, collecting master's degrees? Uh, well, you know, what are you going to do with this? They said, and, and my father, who's a very traditional, he says to me, um, you're not going to be serving wines, potentially, are you? You know, especially to strangers and to men. Uh, and I said, no, I, I'm not interested in being a sommelier or uh, in the service industry. He said, well, good, because that's what uh, geishas and prostitutes do. You know, um, this is not a daughter 
uh, from his his side of the family would even consider. And I said, okay, no, I wasn't thinking that anyway. But um, wine itself, you know, in the minds of uh, of of a lot of Asian traditional alcohol. And if you are dealing in alcohol, it is not considered a kind of a, a noble or, you know, um, uh, profession that you would aspire towards. And my father said, so what did, what did we do wrong? <laughs> Where did we go wrong? What, what happened to you? <laughs> and it was really only... It was really later when they, um, so the, the Korean uh, national broadcasting uh, company, KBS, did a, a documentary on me. Um, I think about a year or two after I became a master of wine and it was shown all over the country. Uh, and so he saw it, you know, his friends saw it, his relatives saw it, and they finally realized what was a master of wine because they just had no idea. Um, and finally he said, Oh, I I get it. You can you you chose a profession that you you really enjoy and that you can have fun with, and uh, <laughs> it wasn't until um, uh, a few years after I became a master of wine that my parents realized that um, I wasn't so rebellious. Maybe I was definitely pushing the envelope as you are doing with this sparkling, <laughs> but um, I wasn't being completely rebellious. <laughs> Well, this is a beautiful story, and, and I love as well your sense of respect for your parents. Even though you had graduated, you were already married. It's amazing that, yeah. you know, within the Asian tradition, which is very I similar. I still cared what they thought. <laughs> exactly. And it's very European in many ways as well, that closeness we have and sense of discussion, conversation, respect, and, and love for one another and acknowledgement of what we do. I think it's important. Talking about this, I want to show you a picture of a very gorgeous woman that I'm looking at too. Look at this beautiful lady here. Oh. <laughs> so I want all our friends to see Jenny Jolie. I've had the pleasure to dance with her when she was wearing a dress similar to that. So I can already feel and remember the rhythm. <laughs> So, Jenny Chou. Okay, Jean Charles, I have. Can I interrupt you with a funny story? Yes, of course. So, uh, okay. So, when we were doing the cover of that of that book, I said, "I'm too embarrassed. I don't want to be on the cover." My editor, my publisher, um, everyone um, vetoed and said, "No, you have to be on the cover. It's it's you that has." to be identified with the Asian palette. So anyway, they convinced me, I did the photo. And, and then uh, when the book came out, my daughters saw it. They looked at it and they said, oh, mom, is that you? I said, yeah, that's me. They're like, wow, that looks like you about 10 years ago. <laughs> I think it looks like you today very much. You, you never change. And the beauty is it keeps getting even better and better. I think you look much better even today than on this cover, although the cover is very oh. So this book, Jenny, is extraordinary because for all of us who adore Asian food, not only the people from the East, but from the West, we want to place wine into it. And you were, I really believe, one of the first 
one ever to really bring that savoring Asian cuisine and wine together. So would you maybe summarize the book for all our friends who are obviously very interested in Asian palate and very interested into having their eyes open to amazing Asian food? Well, when I was studying um, wine, I realized that the whole literature of Asian cuisine and wine was so limited. Uh, and this is really 2005, 2006, and 2007, like almost 20 years ago. Um, and it, at that time, there was so little that every book I picked up that um, of, of some of my favorite writers, whenever we, there was a, a remark about how do you pair, for example, Chinese cuisine, the answer was always Gewürztraminer. <laughs> how do you pair spicy cuisine, like Sichuan or, you know, Yunnan. Uh, and it was, again, Gewürztraminer. And I was so tired of, of reading that and also of having recommendations that I thought were really not that respectful or understanding of Asian cuisine that um, I decided when I, when I passed the Master of Wine exam, which was 2007, I needed a little break from wine. I love wine, but I was so... Uh, you know, sort of over my head and drowning in wine detail and um, information that I just wanted a little food break because food was my other love. Yes. Uh, and so I decided to spend a year and a half uh, in 10 different cities in, in Asia, spending about four to eight weeks in each city, uh, really in the kitchens of some of the top restaurants um, and top hotels uh, in the cities, seeing what it is that, that chefs use when they're salting their food. So one thing that emerged from that book was that uh, Asian chefs use soy sauce or fermented yes. sauces to, uh, to salt their food. They don't use salt. So... Um, it was, it was when, you, when you use vinegar, for example, it's not your red wine vinegar or apple cider vinegar or your normal white vinegar. It is usually rice vinegar, which is usually softer and, and less. So, I mean, there were themes that emerged. Um, and I decided that, uh, that it was important enough to look at the terroir or the, the essence of each city's particular combination of ingredients to see what wines would really pair well with it in a way that was um, a little bit, you know, I, I suppose more structured and approach because I broke down each cuisine into how spicy it was, how salty, how in, you know, the, the um, bitterness, the tolerance for um, you know, fat and texture, uh, and and it was really different um, in each of the cuisines. And I could see that when you have a table, and it's mostly communal in terms of how we eat food. Yes. Um, what are the combination of ingredients that 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 come forth? How intense? How flavorful? Um, you know, is that is that communal? experience and with that you're given a kind of direction in terms of what types of wines really might work well so this um 
you know, this was the inspiration and I, it was really satisfying to work on it for two years and, and have it published in 2009. And we will recommend everybody to get it because I really think not only in the East, because a lot of people ask questions about how do I pair wine with the food I love, but in the West, we love Asian food. And I think your travel you've done in all the major cities of, of China and Asia is so phenomenal because it really gives us a true understanding of the taste, the flavor profile, as you said, with soy sauce and everything and how to do it, which is very difficult. So congratulations. So maybe what do we think of Burgundy with Asian food? Because now I want us to go with the first red wine we have to taste tonight together, the wonderful Ursuline wine. So we chose this wine, yes. Jenny, because you write a lot about the Grand Cru and the Premier Cru. But there's another wine very important, as you know, in Burgundy, which is the Villard and the regional. So this one is a regional. So this is just a Pinot Noir, which is an assemblage of Burgundy. And why this one? Because you're such a leading woman of the wine world. The ladies in 1640 who built our winery in Burgundy, the Boisset Winery, that you've seen, were Ursuline order, and they made a great wine at the time. As you know, which was this assemblage of different villages that they would bring, and the mother superior would actually approve the wine, and it would be the wine she would serve to the sisters. So we were incorrigible. We put it in a screw cap because we believe <laughs> it's as well a very good way to preserve wine. Absolutely. Well, cheers. Cheers, and that's the glass you designed, right? <laughs> yes, this... you're so observant. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jenny, besides telling us about the wine, why don't you tell us about the process of designing as yeah. well your own glass? Because we both have a glass we respect, respectfully <laughs> design. You know, so tell us about yours. Oh. <laughs> um. So this was uh, a project that came to me by a friend who uh, makes um, chinaware and porcelain for the top chefs in, uh, in Asia. And the company is called Inhesion. So um, uh, Eric, who's a, a very good friend, he's the CEO, and said to me, Jeannie, don't you want to design your own glasses? I said, yes, I I do it would be a fun project it would unleash another creative side of me and you know all about that because you are mr creative the ultimate in, in creativity in the uh amongst all the people i know in the wine world john charles thank you so, so this was just a a tiny passion um and uh, they made it super easy and said uh you tell me what shape what design you want and we will find the manufacturer so it actually took almost three years um, and uh, Inhesion is the official distributor of uh, Spiegelau for uh, Far East Asia 
So they had a lot of contacts. They went to uh, Austria. They went to different parts of Central and Eastern Europe. And uh, at the end, they ended up going with a an Italian um, uh, uh, artisan who who blows uh, it from one piece uh, um, each of these glasses, um, you know, by mouth. And um, and so they're really artisanal. And I wanted this twist here because yes. you mentioned the yin and the yang. Yes, of and course. So the twist here are actually two pieces that were that are intertwined. And if you look straight down into um, each of the glasses, you yes. actually see a yin and yang symbol. I love it. Right. And, and I remember <laughs> that, Jenny, uh, because I got four glasses. You probably remember that I attended your incredible seminar at Videx for ah. Hong Kong in yes, June. Yeah. I believe it was six okay. or eight years ago when you released those glasses. And I was so thrilled because I was already imagining yes. and in touch with Baccarat for yes. our glass. Ah. And it was fascinating to see not only how you explain it, but how you brought the concept of energy to the, to the wine glass with the yin and the yang and the two <laughs> intertwined circles in the glass. You obviously yeah. a big believer of energy, right? Yes, and I know you are. You should you should talk a little bit about your glasses because they're beautiful and I've used them. Thank you. Um, well, you know, very similar to you. Weight, shape. Yes, so the shape, we, we took a very large galb, as we call it, or paraison in French, 9.5 centimeters, so very wide with a big opening with the lip, so it's very easy to drink. And the idea for us was to create with Baccarat mm. what we call the Passion Collection, so the one and only glass you need for white, rosé, or red. I was, of course, using as well, you know, the champagne glass or the Cremant glass, all made out of cristal. Yes. And you know, of course, Baccarat has an enormous <laughs> tradition. Since 1764, you know, Louis XV as a king pushed Baccarat to become the leader of Cristal. And the idea here was all about energy as well. You create a vortex in clockwise and you create like the mm. yang, the chaos, counterclockwise. So mm. it really facilitates mm. the aromatic expression. And on the lip, the drinking here and goes into... What you and I share is the umami in your tongue. So the idea of the length to the width and to the mm. lip is to always end mm. up in the middle of your tongue. So it creates a perfect irrigation horizontally and vertically. So scientifically, we work a lot with the Baccarat lab, the mouth shape, the tongue shape, the length, the width, and the ritual faction of how the wine actually goes in mm -hmm. and how it keeps giving you aroma through the back end. <laughs> so it was a big process as you have, mm. you know, you, it took you three years, which is, you know, obviously a very long period of time to design the perfect glass. But, you know, when we love wine, we love, of course, the glass too. <laughs> but Jenny, so Burgundy, 
as you gonna tell us about this one. Dear friends, Jenny came out with one of the most difficult book to write, literally nine months ago. <laughs> one of the best book ever on Burgundy, published by Asuline. And I want to show you this book because of course, Jenny very kindly brought it to us as a gift and we delighted to promote it. This is the 100 Burgundy wine in order to build the dream wine cellar. <laughs> so Jenny, thank you for sure of integrating us in the book. We're very honored by that. So tell us about this dream of Burgundy and why Burgundy as one of your first, besides food, big book on wine. Well, first, uh, there's there's so many reasons about why Burgundy, but the, the most obvious uh, and um, uh, and I would say probably the most uh, glaring um, uh, reason for anyone who knows me and and who's um, you know dined with me is that I love to eat. I would say mostly Asian cuisine. Uh, my favorites are. Uh, Japanese, Cantonese, um, Korean, of course. Uh, I love also Singaporean, uh, Malaysian, Vietnamese, Thai. I mean, I, the list goes on. But so yeah, uh, sure. in my daily life, I'm usually eating some kind of Asian cuisine. It's just part of who I am and you know what I love. Um, and the wines that really as a range, an entire range from the, the regional, from the Bourgogne all the way to the Grand Cruz um, that really does the best with most Asian cuisines is Burgundy. And it's really because my, my frequency of exposure and the fact that I, I drink it most often, um, uh, that would, that's the most obvious reason. Uh, and the second reason is, I think it's a bit of a challenge. It, as you said, it's a really difficult region to write about because there is so much that, that can be said. Um, you know, we both know, uh, for example, uh, Alan Meadows very well, and he's, you know, he spent a long time just talking about von Romane in a book. Yes. So, you can go so deep into one appellation. You can almost spend your entire life discovering one appellation or maybe two in Burgundy that it isn't dating. Uh, and the less intimidating for me was really just to say, okay, there are amazing books on Burgundy already. Um, I mentioned Ellen Meadows, but um, of course, uh, you know, Jasper, um, from yes. uh, uh, who's, who's written uh, inside um, in Jasper Morris and inside Burgundy. Uh, there's Clive Coates. There, you know Remington Norman. There, there are many, and I have I have their books, and I have a huge amount of respect for what they've done. So I didn't want to write another encyclopedia. I didn't want to write another long, you know, fact-written uh, book. I wanted to narrow it down and to yes. and to narrow it. I thought of one of my daughters who loves Burgundy. 
she, um, you know, she, she loves Burgundy so much when we got our first um, dog and she was only about eight years old, she insisted on naming him Pinot Noir. Oh, so that's very good. We have. <laughs> well, one of my dogs is named Musini as well, so, so you can understand. <laughs> Musini, oh, that's even more specific. <laughs> so, um, yeah, and, and so I thought about her and I, I, and I was thinking if I were putting together a dream seller for her and I had to limit myself to 100 wines, what would I put in her dream cellar? Uh, and so then, then the book became easy. It became manageable. It became focused. Uh, there was a direction. There was a reason why I was putting these wines into the book. It was uh, a lot of them are personal experiences I've had with the wines. Yes. And some of them are because I wanted her to discover them or they are benchmark wines. And so, uh, you know, the, the book almost started to write itself when I knew what the purpose was. And Jenny, you write with a very unique style. I'd like you to explain it to all of us. You write with a lot of beauty. As Madame, you know, Leroy mentioned in the preface of your book, you choose word of beauty and define that style for everyone because what I admire is someone who is irreverent enough not to follow the typical words of wine description. And I really believe you're obviously one of those. Oh, thank you. I, <laughs> I'm not sure. Um, I don't know how to answer that. You're that. That's a. It's a. It's a huge compliment coming from you, John Charles. But uh, I. I feel as though part of my training as a journalist made me think that I. I shouldn't be using words that um, go over people's heads. That I should be speaking direct to someone who's just a wine lover who loves Burgundy. Yes. Uh, and at the in the back of my mind too, I always thought of. Uh, what I wanted to convey to 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 my to my daughters to you know what message would I want them to 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 feel when they read an entry, for example, um, or it, it's not just about learning something because I, I think right now in this in this day and age, you can fact everything is on Google and Wikipedia. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Are what is interesting to passion, if I can move you with my words, then that's really meaningful. Because I, you know, I don't want to give out numbers uh, or or give you a whole, you know, encyclopedic, uh, you know, length of detail about a particular wine. Because I think you can get that anywhere <laughs> easily. You just need to look it up. Um, but what can I leave? in terms of stories of people um, uh, and what are the words that I can use to move you, to make you feel like, oh, I really want to try this wine. Oh, maybe I tried it once, but it was not the you know, right vintage. Maybe, or I need to wait, wait for this wine to open up a little more. What was it that moved me? And it had to be emotional. It couldn't be... 
just intellectual or factual. And I love it. <laughs> so talking about emotion, give us a few words, a taste of your style as you describe maybe this burgundy, because again, we could have chosen a Clos which is one of my favorite village, or Musigny, or Bonma. We've had many of those together, but I thought it was interesting mm. to really bring together. to the attention of a lot of people mm. a regional wine with a screw cap, obviously of a great style, but that is not necessarily your three, $400 bottle of wine, but on the opposite, entry level brings people to Burgundy. So what's really, um, I think what's really unique about this wine is that first of all, just on the label itself, I love the simplicity and the fact that you have written for some consumers that it is Pinot Noir. Thank you. Right. There's only there's only three main things on this label when you look at it. First, you say Bourgogne, so you know you're in Burgundy. And then you have Pinot Noir, which makes it clear for a lot of people who may not be familiar with Burgundy. And then you have Le Ursuline, which you just described was the order, this historic, you know, it gives you history as well as just the sense of, you know, you know expectation on variety and you have a you have an idea of the region so already you you, you there's a frame in your mind of where you're going thank you and when you when you see that for a young for young Pinot Noir this the first impression that you get is this is not just Pinot Noir this goes way beyond Pinot Noir because when you're thinking especially um, for a lot of uh, maybe people who live in California and are used to more California Pinot Noir, you have a fruit spectrum in your mind. That's right. Maybe it starts out with raspberry and cherries and right. And here, the fruit is in the background. What you get more of is really this, I, I call it a, a dance between the, 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 the berries that you, at the same time, this kind of minerality, this sense of, this sense of place um, that, 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 you know, I know we're, we're being accused of um, saying minerality too often because what does it really mean? Well, it means that the fruit is not at the forefront it, it means that there is an element of maybe um, something stony, something savory, um, something floral that really goes beyond fruit. Uh, it has a structure that gives it a, a, a kind of a backbone, a spine, even oh, though the I wine like is very slim. This is... This is not a, you know, a big wine. So if I could, as I did for the, the Burgundy book, to make it easier for some people, I will do what you did with uh, your, your, your sparkling as well. The number eight, you gave it three words. So yes. let me give three words. Thank you, please. To this wine. It's, it's restrained elegance. 
and harmony. Ooh. It's restrained. Elegance and harmony. Beautifully said. And harmony. Thank you so much. So maybe, Jenny, on that note, what do you makes a great wine or a, one of the greatest wine ever? What makes, what are the attributes of large? Just to guide all our friends with us tonight. Yes. I've been really lucky uh, in Hong Kong to have some amazing wines. Um, and so I, I always think and reflect um, what it is that makes a great wine and why it is that I don't give out that many 100 points, <laughs> which, um, <laughs> and, and, and people accuse me of being so stingy uh, with my ratings um, because, you know, I, I have, I've been fortunate to have benchmarks that are so high that I think, you know, you end up judging everything that you try against the top benchmarks. So when I think about what is really a great wine, it goes beyond the words. It's a wine that you have trouble, you struggle to describe because it's, it's beyond what you can describe. Uh, that's one, that's when I know it's a great wine, when I struggle to find any words. Um, and two is when I realize that this wine is making me so emotional, I almost want to cry. Oh. It's this emotional feeling that, that the wine evokes. It's almost like it's coming out of your, your soul. Um, and, the, and the third thing, is that you feel like you're in the presence of something beyond, you know, what could be made by human beings. You feel like you're in the presence of greatness, of, of, of beauty, of, you know, something so indescribable that it's almost spiritual, you know. And I, I, I don't have those experiences all that often. And when I do, you know, so that's my 100 points. That's when I feel like I have this, you know, incredible mission and, and something, something beautiful is just really moving my spirit and my soul. Uh, and it's, it's in that way, it's, I, I would say it is kind of personal because, you know, what moves me makes well, so beautifully said. You are moving us, of course. <laughs> and your soul and your beautiful words are moving us. So on that note, Jenny, what inspires you as such a talented woman who's done so much from your studies to your successful career to your incredible family? At this stage of your life, what drives you, inspires you the most? I think what inspires me is to the best of my ability to, um, you know, to be the best that I can be and, and to be grateful. So I, 
when someone asks, I, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm finishing my PhD right now. And someone asked me, why are you doing that? And I said, what drives you to do that? I said, you know, because I can, because I feel grateful that I have all this opportunity and I can do anything I want to do, especially in, you know, the field that I love that, um, I, why wouldn't you do it? It's almost like, why wouldn't you do it? Um, so what drives me- Your father me would say, it's not at least another master's degree. So he would be happy to know that it's a PhD now. He's very happy about that. <laughs> He's very happy. Well, congratulations. Uh, no, I think that, you know, and when people ask me, why are you doing the Master of Wine? And at that time, I had really no thoughts of, of being in the wine industry 100%. I thought I would... Um, you know, stay in journalism and publishing. I wasn't really sure. I just knew that I, I should do it because I could. I was grateful for, you know, having the ability to to be able to remember wines, um, to love it, to, you know, to be passionate about it so I, I it wasn't it wasn't this particular goal but what what drives me is that we have one life and it's actually not that long um, and so we should, you know, make use of every, yeah, I know, we should really just be grateful and make use of, um, of what we've been given so that you can do the most with it and, and then just let it take you where it takes you. Um, this is so well said and so inspirational. Not only what inspires you is very exciting for all of us, but your message is, in addition, Jenny, very inspirational for all of us and and you're exactly right i think we need to continue to to follow what what is inside of us and to always try to go beyond and do it because you're the prime example of and that's the message i want to send to everybody and we've been friends for a long time not only you say you will do it but you are doing it and when you actually say you're thinking of doing it, you've already started. And that's what I love about it. <laughs> and, and you know, the question in life, Jean-Charles, should be, why not? You know, that's why right. not just do it? Why not? You know, what's keeping great, you back? It's such a great advice for, for everyone. And on that note, because we only have a last one. Oh no, oh no. And I had to use our decanter that you know well that we designed with Baccarat as well, part of the Passion Collection. I decanted this wine because this was my dream, as you have dreams, and hopefully you're going to share it with us. I have a few more questions, Jenny, for us, if you don't mind. If you have a few minutes to, to allow us to continue. The wine I wanted you to taste, of course, we've tasted it before together, was actually what really you represent, which is the best of so many worlds. You're not just two worlds mm. because you really, Asia, America, and Europe. I'm sure you're all the continents, but you're really the fabulous person that brings all of us together. And this wine, as you know, is called number three. This is the wine I did with my lovely wife, Gina, that you know so well. And, dedicated to our ladies who are Franco-American. 
And the idea was to really create a wine, and I will never forget when we tasted it as well in Hong Kong together, at your private, fabulous private club, and with your friends in that incredible restaurant. Because, dear friends, you've got to know, if you get to know Jenny, not only she does <laughs> the best dinner parties, but she introduced you to some amazing people that I'm still in touch with, because you're such a phenomenal connector, Jenny. So... Oh. On the wine we're going to try, this is JCB number three, which is the blend of Burgundy at almost equal percentage with Sonoma, the Russian River. As we taste the wine, and you'll describe it in a moment, I'd like us to hear about your passion. Because through your life, we could see that you execute with discipline and charisma each of your passions. It could be publishing, editing, creating a magazine, being on television, being a professor, uh, now finishing and accomplishing your PhD. I mean, you are such an entrepreneur, and do you still have passions for more things? <laughs> I think it's a passion for life, yes, actually. Um, during uh, the whole COVID uh, lockdown, um, I decided to pursue a slightly off the wine track passion, which is really uh, writing. So I'm working. I've been working on a play, um, writing some fiction, um, really just really for for fun, for fun, um, and. Um, one day, I think I would like to see my play uh, become produced and performed. And I'm so, sure it will. <laughs> well, I, I'm not sure I pursue it with the same kind of dedication as I do with wine and, and other pursuits. But it really is something that, uh, that moves me. And um, I do it purely for, for fun, for love. But there's, there's so many things. Um, and during the lockdown, there's, I've had more time. I haven't been able to um, travel as much. So I've spent a lot more time cooking. So I've been making sort of different cuisines every night. Uh, almost my, my family is the guinea pig and some of my friends, of course. <laughs> and um, I've also been um, playing a lot of golf. So, uh, and I never had time. Um, I used to love golf. Um, before I had children. And then because it took up so much time, I stopped for a while. And now um, I'm playing two or three times a week. So it's, um, yeah, you, you know, there's so, so many things in life to explore, to enjoy. Um, in terms of wine, uh, you know, I on probably about once a week, we do different themes, um, wine with friends. I'm sorry about the noise. Can you hear that? Barely. Okay. All right, so I have I have one um, group where we do, do burgundy themed evenings. I have another group that you know where we do um, we change the theme from different wines from around the world, but we meet regularly and um it's uh you know it's, it's always a learning experience it's fun 
Very exciting. Very exciting. So, Jenny, is there maybe, you know, I always say curiosity is one of the greatest signs of intelligence. And, and obviously you represent that. You're curious of so many unbelievable fields. And you could perform in so many various activities. What message would you like to share for others in terms of maybe something you want to say to people, not only women in the world, not just for wine, but as a message at large? Because you have such spirituality, wiseness, and of course, uh, talent that I'm sure people would love to hear about you know, your maybe recommendation, suggestion, or vision? Well, wow. That's a, that's a deep question, Gonzalez. <laughs> um, no one better than you can actually explain <laughs> and articulate this well. Uh, well, I, I would have to say that you... That the best thing is to be 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 true to who you are, and and to do that you have to know who you are, know what you want to express, know how you want to 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 share, um, whatever it is that you have, whether it's a skill, whether it's knowledge, whether it's your experience or wisdom or whatever it is, um, and and to be able to to give and share it because. If you don't, it's not like it's you can't take it with you when you die. <laughs> right. And whatever it is that you've been given as a gift in life, um, hopefully be true to who you are and to to share it with as many people as you can. I love that message because I'm so much as you are, and Sorry. I know that because we are in many ways, at least very similar, or I'd like to be more like you, but it's going to be very difficult, no, no. of course, because you're so ahead. But sharing is really one of the most exciting elements of life when we can, as you said, you shared this amazing book and you had your daughter in mind and so many friends to discover Burgundy and the wonderful seller. I'm the same when I crafted this wine it was to share it as well with all of us to make a statement to allow two words together instead of speaking about differences what brings them together and what makes a greater wine when the sum is greater than the parts i have twin girls and i really believe it's not one or the other but when you have both of them in the same room it's 120 percent not just 100 <laughs> yes Yes. And that's what we share too. I have twin girls as well. <laughs> so I know. I know I know. I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> I'm dying to see them and I want to make sure we save a few bottles for them of this wine. So I know they're spending a lot of time in the US right now. So as soon yes. as you allow them to come to visit us in Napa Valley and stay with us, we can really have the number three, the twin lines. Yes. Right. 
Thank you. So, Jenny, yeah. I, I want to ask you one more question. Uh, that great message, you kind of said it. What is next? You're obviously working now on your PhD or final, finalizing it. You're working on a play. Is there something <laughs> that is a dream of yours or a next plan that you have that you haven't shared yet that we should know about? Because oh, tonight wow. is an exclusive moment. <laughs> so maybe one more thing you want to share. Uh, what else would I like to share? Um, actually, my fantasy would be Ooh. to fantasy. <laughs> I, I'm getting excited. Let me get another sip here. When you're talking about fantasy, I'm going to talk to Salvatore Dali Lobster. What's your fantasy? <laughs> Don't ask me to share mine because it's it's too wild. Okay, it's not appropriate for, for the audience? No, no, share it, share it. Oh. I love it. If I could be born with, uh, with another talent, it would really be, um, it would be singing. Oh. It, yes. Um, you know, the male version would be, uh, of course, Pavarotti. Classical. The, the female version would be Maria Callas. <laughs> yes. If I could, uh, that's an ultimate fantasy that I know would never come true because I don't have the talent. <laughs> I don't. You can dream about it. Well, do you want to sing for us now? Is it something you want to share now? A part of a great song? Oh, no, no, no. Um, in another life. Well, I'm back in my next life. That is well, this is very exciting because we believe in reincarnation. <laughs> so we believe in multiple lives, right? So, Jenny, we want to thank you so much for giving us your precious time to share your passions, to share your inspiration, to share your talents, to share really the incredible lady that you are. You've been such a force in so many people's life. And again, I'll repeat, it's such an inspiration, not only for many ladies, but a lot of men and a lot of people at large. So I cannot wait for all of us to see each other again around the table, for us to be able to come and see you in Hong Kong, of course, Burgundy, California. And I really want to thank you for accepting to being with us and, and for sharing so much, your books, your passion, your style, your charisma. And I, I can tell you tonight, you've inspired so many and I really want to raise my glass to your husband, to you, to your wonderful family, to your ladies, your twins too, from our twins to yours. And uh, your ladies. <laughs> thank you. And I commend you for all what you're doing for all of us, emotionally, spiritually, uh, and more.
So all my love, all our love. Cheers. And thank you so much for having me. Thank you, Jenny. And to friendship. To friendship. <laughs>